Hey y'all, welcome back as we continue on to chapter 19 in 2 Kings with King Hezekiah of Judah. And in verse 1, he says, When King Hezekiah heard the report, he tore his clothes and put on burlap and went into the temple of the Lord. And he sent Alakim, the palace administrator, Shibna, the court secretary, and the leading priests, all dressed in burlap, to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. They told him, this is what the king Hezekiah says. Today is a day of trouble, insults, and disgrace. It is like when a child is ready to be born, but the mother has no strength to deliver the baby. But perhaps the Lord your God has heard the Assyrian chief of staff sent by the king to defy the living God and will punish him for his words. Oh, pray for those of us who are left. So they cry out to God here. They cry out, because remember when we left off in 18, the king of Assyria was threatening them and had struck them with deep fear. And they cry out to God. And the stories of Exodus have shown time and time again that no matter where Israel is, when they cry out to God, he will respond. And he does respond. And um, he's doing that now. He's seeking the help of a prophet as well, and he's crying out to God because he is a king after God's heart. In verse 5, after King Hezekiah's officials delivered the king's message to us, Isaiah, the prophet replied, Say to your master, this is what the Lord says, Do not be disturbed by this blasphemous speech against me from the Assyrian king's messengers. Listen, I myself will move against him. And the king will receive a message that he is needed at home. So he will return to his land where I will have him killed with a sword. Meanwhile, the Syrian chief of staff left Jerusalem and went to consult with the king of Assyria, who had left Lachish and was attacking Libna. Soon afterward, King Sennacherim received word that King Tiraka of Ethiopia was leading an army to fight against him. Before leaving to meet the attack, he sent messengers back to Hezekiah in Jerusalem with this message. This message is for the king of his, for King Hezekiah of Judah. Don't let your God in whom you trust deceive you with promises that Jerusalem will not be captured by the king of Assyria. You know perfectly well what the kings of Assyria have done wherever they have gone. They have completely destroyed everyone who stood in their way. Why should you be any different? Have the gods of other nations rescued them? Such na nations as Gozan, Haran, Rezef, and the people of Eden, who were in Telassar? My predecessors destroyed them all. What happened to the king of Hamath and the king of Arpad? What happened to the kings of Serpiram, Hina, and Iva? Well, the king of Assyria is trying again to send more fear. And they're saying, why, why should you be any different? Why is your God any different? And it's simple because, because it's God. <laughs> but he doesn't know who he's up against. In verse 14, it continues. After Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it, he went up to the Lord's temple and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed this prayer before the Lord. O Lord, God of Israel, you are in thrones between the mighty cherubim. You alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth. Bend down, O Lord, and listen. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to the Sennacherim's words of defiance against the living God. 
It is true, Lord, that the kings of Assyria have destroyed all these nations, and they have thrown the gods of these nations into the fire and burned them. But of course the Assyrians couldn't destroy them. They were not gods at all, only idols of wood and stone, sharpened by human hands. Now, O Lord, our God, rescue us from his power. Then all the kingdoms of earth will know that you alone are God. Then Isaiah, the son of Amaz, sent this message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I have heard your prayer about King Sennacherib of Assyria, and the Lord has spoken this word against him. The virgin daughter of Zion despises you and laughs at you. The daughter of Jerusalem shakes her head in derision as you flee. Whom have you been defying and ridiculing? Against whom did you raise your voice? At whom did you look with such haughty eyes? It was the Holy One of Israel. By your messengers you have defied the Lord. You have said, with many, with my many chariots, I have conquered the highest mountains. Yes, the remotest peaks of Lebanon. I have cried down its tall. I have cut down its tallest cedars, and its finest cypress trees. I have reached its farthest corners and explored its deepest forest. I have dug wells in many foreign lands and refreshed myself with their water. With the sole of my foot I have stopped up all the rivers of Egypt. But have you not heard? I decided this long ago. Long ago I planned it, and now I am making it happen. I planned for you to crush fortified cities into heaps of rubble. This is why their people have so little power and are so frightened and confused. They are as weak as grass, as easily trampled as tender green shoots. They are like grass sprouting on a housetop, scorched before it can grow lush and tall. But I know you well, where you stay, and when you come and go. I know the way you have raged against me. And because of your raging against me and your arrogance, which I have heard for myself, I will put a hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth. I will make you return by the same road in which you came. So God is saying, God knows everything. God is in control and God is narrating all this. And it's like putting a bit in the mouth of a horse. The master controls where they go. God is truly, totally, 100% in control of all this. And we continue in verse 29. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Here is the proof that what I say is true. This year you will eat only what grows up by itself. The next year you will eat what springs up from that. But in the third year you will plant crops and harvest them. You will tend vineyards and eat their fruit. And you who are left in Judah, who have escaped the ravages of siege, will put roots down in your soil and will grow up and flourish. For a remnant of my people will spread out from Jerusalem, a group of survivors from Mount Zion. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. And this is what the Lord says about the king of Assyria. His armies will not even will not enter Jerusalem. They will not even shoot an arrow at it. They will not march outside its gates with their shields, nor build banks of earth against its walls. The king will return to his own country by the same road which he came. He will not enter this city, says the Lord, for my own honor and for the sake of my servant David. I will defend this city and protect it. That night, the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. 
So this wasn't even God himself that went. He sent a servant. He sent a servant, one of his angels. And his angel, one of God's servants, took out 185,000 Assyrians for God. So God moved and God went before them and God killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers through one of his servants, an angel. In verse 36, Then King Sennacherib of Assyria broke camp and returned to his own land. He went home to the capital of Nineveh and stayed there. One day, while he was worshipping in the temple of his god Nishrash, his sons Adramalek and Sherezir killed him with their swords. They then escaped to the land of Ararat, and another son, Arashadon, became the next king of Assyria. So God came through and took care of the Assyrians, just as he promised he would. In chapter 20, it starts out, About that time Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king this message, This is what the Lord says, Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you, and I have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. But before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard, this message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, and tell him, This is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you, and three days from now you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. I will add fifteen years to your life, and I will rescue you from the city of the king of Assyria. I will defend the city for my own honor and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, Make an ointment from figs. So Hezekiah's servant spread the ointment over the boil, and Hezekiah recovered. Meanwhile, Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What sign will the Lord give me to prove that he will heal me and that I will go to the temple of the Lord three days from now? Isaiah replied, This is the sign from the Lord to prove that he will do as he promised. Would you like the shadow on the sundial to go forward ten steps or backward ten steps? The shadow always moves forward, Hezekiah replied, so that would be easy. Make it go ten steps backward instead. So Isaiah the prophet asked the Lord to do this, and he caused the shadow to move ten steps backward on the sundial of Ahaz. So in Isaiah 38.9, I won't read it now, but that's where we find a praise that was written um, after this recovery of Hezekiah. And through this, God humbles Hezekiah. He was getting a little prideful, and God actually used this to humble him. And the fact of the matter is, we're all going to die. We all die. But he just didn't want to die yet. He wasn't ready. So God honored that wish, humbled him, and added 15 years to his life. And the sundial miracle, it it was a huge miracle, because this was a miracle that went against the actual natural laws of nature itself. But God still did it, just just to show that he would honor this promise. In verse 12, Soon after this, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah his best wishes and a gift for all he had heard that Hezekiah had been very sick. Hezekiah received Babylonian envoys and showed them everything in his treasure houses, the silver, the gold, the spices, and the aromatic oils. He also took them to see the armory and show them everything in his royal treasuries. 
There was nothing in his palace or kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Now remember, these are the Babylonians. Then Isaiah the prophet went to the king of Hezekiah and asked him, What did those men want? Where were they from? Hezekiah replied, They came from the distant land of Babylon. What did they see in your palace? Isaiah asked. They saw everything, Hezekiah replied. I showed them everything I own, all of my royal treasuries. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, listen to this message from the Lord. The time is coming when everything in your palace, all the treasures stored up by your ancestors until now will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your very own sons will be taken away into exile. They'll become eunuchs who will serve in the palace of Babylon's king. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, This message you have given me from the Lord is good, for the king was thinking, at least there will be peace and security during my lifetime. The rest of the events in the Hezekiah's reign, including the extent of his power and how he built a pool and dug a tunnel to bring water into the city, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. Hezekiah died, and his son Manasseh became the next king. So Hezekiah brought forth a glimmer of hope, but he also put an X on the pirate map for the Babylonians because they had just saw all the treasures that were held in the king's palace. So that will likely backfire later. So that ends chapter 20 in Second Kings. I hope you all are having a great day.